0: Hello, and welcome to this edition of Life's Tough. You can be tougher. Our first podcast was earlier this year, and since we started, we've had a number of inspiring and engaging guests with lots of free-flowing conversation. I'm Dustin Planote, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, has a story. Some stories may sound more riveting than others. That's to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a blockbuster movie or an HBO miniseries. When you think about your own story, the most important thing to consider is what you will do with it, or to put it another way, what will your legacy be? We're looking forward to another terrific show today with our featured guest, Lydia Bastianich. Lydia is a celebrity chef. She's an Emmy award-winning public television host, a best-selling cookbook author, a restaurateur and owner of a thriving food and entertainment business. Her most recent book is a memoir, My American Dream, A Life of Love, Family, and Food. I'm looking forward to talking with Lydia. It's sure to be a conversation you don't want to miss. Lydia Bastianich is a superstar in the international culinary industry, yet she is so much more than her celebrity. Everyone knows me as a chef, TV host, and author. Lydia once said, but I am also a refugee who has lived the American dream. Indeed, Lydia grew up in Pula, a small seaport on the southern tip of Croatia's Istrian peninsula, on the edge of the Adriatic Sea. The area today is known for having the best preserved Roman ruins outside of Italy. It's Italian cuisine with a Croatian influence and its winemaking industry. Some consider the Malvasia wine to be the best in the world. But things were not so idyllic in years gone by. After World War II, Istria had been given to Italy. It remained under Italian control until the ending days of World War II, when in 1945, for the most part, it became part of Croatia. A small section in the north went to Slovenia. The city of Pula stayed under Anglo-American military command until 1947 when it joined Yugoslavia. That was also the year in which Lydia was born. While life seemed great for me at the time, What I didn't know as a child was how communism took almost everything my family stood for. Lydia has said, Communists changed our last name. We couldn't speak our native Italian language. They took away our religion. I even had to be baptized in secret. Communism threatened my dad's business, so we were forced to flee. In 1956, Lydia and her family escaped across the border to Trieste, where they spent two years in a refugee camp at the Reseria di San Saba. Rosaria refers to the fact that this dreary five-story brick building had been a rice mill before World War II. During the war, the Nazis used it as part of a concentration camp where 5,000 people were killed and thousands more passed through on their way to other forced labor and death camps. During her time there, Lydia helped the nuns of the school she attended by cooking in the kitchen. A break came in 1958 when Lydia's family, under the sponsorship of Catholic Charities, was able to get on a plane and emigrate to New York. Fast forward to today. Lydia is an Emmy award-winning public television host, a best-selling cookbook author, having published a dozen books, a successful restaurateur, and the owner of a thriving food and entertainment business. She has accomplished all of this by marrying her two passions in life, her family and food. Joseph and Tanya, her two children, are her partners in her culinary enterprises. They have four prominent New York City restaurants. There's also Lydia's Kansas City. And with Tanya and son-in-law Corrado, Lydia has developed a Lydia's brand of handcrafted pastas and all-natural sauces, which are sold at fine food stores throughout the United States. Another high-profile Lydia venture is known as Italy, which stands for Eating Italian. It's a large-scale, high-quality Italian food and wine marketplace. Lydia partnered with her son Joseph and Italian businessman, Oscar Ferrantetti to open Italy, a place where patrons can eat, shop, and learn about Italian cuisine. Currently, Italy has locations in New York City, Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles, and Brazil. The first Italy opened in an old Vermouth factory in Torino, Italy, in January 2007. Now, there are over 35 locations across the world. Lydia has earned seven James Beard Awards, Outstanding Chef, Television Food Show, Best Chefs in America, Who's Who of Food and Beverage in America, Specials 2016, 2017, and 18, and two Emmy Award for Outstanding Culinary Host. 2013 and 2018 she was also elected by pope benedict in 2008 and pope francis in 2015 to cook for them during their visits to new york city let's bring on our guest now buenos era lydia it's great to talk to you and welcome to life stuff i gotta tell you you have an amazing story and i'm fascinated just by reading about you so let let's uh, let's dig in um, So, so Lydia, can you talk about how you went from coming to America as a refugee to putting together this mega enterprise that you have now?
1: Well, Dustin, you know, I came uh, to the ISA when I was 12 years old. So I was quite young. I went to junior high school, high school, uh, to Hunter College, partly. And uh, my idea was, I I loved the sciences and math, and I thought I was going to go into medicine. But along the way, food always surfaced, you know. Uh, at 14, I began working in a, in a bakery uh, as a part-time worker Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, the the Christopher Walken Bakery, the Walken Bakery in in Astoria, uh, and became friends with Christopher Walken. Wow. So friends with him. Hmm. But from then, you know, when I came into the city and I was going to Hunter, I became working in restaurants, and I loved cooking. Cooking food is something that I identified with. Um, it, it you know when when we left as immigrants, uh, uh, I, I I lived basically my. Uh, upbringing with my grandmother because that was a safer place to be than in the city. And my grandmother provided the food for all of us. She had the garden and uh, we did the olives and the olive oil and with the Grandpa did the wine. Sounds delicious, the potatoes, by the way. You're making me very onions. hungry. <laughs> the onions, the potatoes, all were safe for the winter. She had animals. We had the courtyard. We had um, geese, duck, chickens, uh, the eggs. We had goats. Uh, I would milk the the milk and make ricotta, make the prosciuttos uh, every December uh, because we had pigs. And so my passion for food, for understanding, for growing food and helping grandma was in me. And then when we left, and, you know, when we left, we actually escaped back into Italy. So I didn't know that I wasn't going back. And I missed grandma so when I was in the camp and ultimately when I came to the States that food brought me back to grandma. So I would cook the aromas, the flavors, all that I remember for grandma, and and that would bring me back, it would take away, it would help my nostalgia, if you will. And so, you know, Dustin, for me, food till this day is a communicator, is a way that I nurture people, that I love people, uh, I, and I just love doing it. I love the gift of food and, and cooking and preparing it and uh, you know, I met my husband who was also an immigrant and he was in the restaurant business and that's all it took. He decided he wanted to open a restaurant at some point and I said, you know what, I will help you. you, you and you, you got into 1971. It together.
0: 1971. 1971. Wow. Well, yes. Uh, and so it, it seems to be that it's easy for you. And is it that easy or is it a lot of work for you?
1: You know... Uh, it's a lot of work. I think, you know, when I look back at at uh, uh, my life and the life uh, of, you know, my grandmother and my mother and my father coming here as immigrants, it's about work, uh, working hard, committing yourself, and ultimately slowly building yourself. But it's also about a passion. It's also about, uh, you know, kind of um, getting yourself to a place that you're happy with, that you're learning, that you want to do more. So, you know, even today when I tell the young culinary students, you know, you have to have a passion, you have to invest in yourself and getting to be the best that you can in what you do, and then you've got to go out there and do it, make it happen, work hard.
0: And so shows on TV, it, when you watch the shows yourself and the ones that you participate in, uh, have there ever been times where you weren't as impressed with the outcome?
1: Yes, you know I get very much involved uh, into into uh, whatever I do, I, you know, I, and so it did that I evolved in the production. We we now produce our own shows, but what happened is in the beginning, actually, it's interesting how I got to start uh, to be on public television when we opened Felidia. That was ten years after the first restaurant in nineteen eighty-one. Felidia is still the restaurant on on Fifty Eighth Street in Manhattan. And uh, we, uh, uh, you know, I became the chef there because for the 10 years that I was in the first restaurant, we had a chef and I worked with him as a sous chef. So I learned the ins and outs of a restaurant kitchen open for Lydia, we, I became the chef, and I cooked the regional recipes that I remember of Italy. Not the Italian-American food, but really the recipes of grandma and so on. And people uh, kind of flocked to the restaurant, and so did, you know, Julia Child, James Beard. They came in together for dinner one night, and she ultimately wanted to learn, Julia Child wanted to learn how to make risotto. Incredible. and i taught her how to make risotto ultimately she invited me on her show we did two episodes and uh uh, that's how the producer says lydia you're pretty good yeah you're you're good at this yeah and that was that was in 1990 1990
0: and so you've seen the industry come quite a long way is it still exciting for you
1: it's It still is exciting you know uh, i'm since seventy one until now in the business, whether it's t v whether it's book books whether it's restaurants whether it's uh travel whether it's uh you know school teaching, I am still excited by what I do. I love it, I love communicating you know ever more now, what it evolves into is uh, my mentoring the all the information that I accumulated through the years and people were kind enough to teach me to take me under their wing i want to share back now and give it to the next generation yes my children i'm in business with them and absolutely my grandchildren they are still young but also the young uh, people in the culinary world uh you know it gives me great pleasure to mentor them
0: wow well and so the mentorship side how many people do you work with at any one time or how many people would say "Eh, lydia mentors me
1: Well, the mentorship comes, yes, you know, uh, in the Italy stores, we have a school. I'm the dean of the school, and I have regular classes. Uh, In the restaurants, we hire young people, and, you know, uh, certain people that I see that really are passionate, whatever, I mentor. I spend time with them. I go to the Culinary Institute and, you know, I mentor as much as I can. And so on, you know, you kind of spread your mentorship through lectures. Uh, I go to the Y, I go to different uh, uh, cities and lecture and talk about my passion, my food. And now, you know, my life story. Now they want to know about my whole immigration story.
0: Which I'm very interested in as well. I mean, the fact that you were able to come here and create... An empire. I mean, it. you did the impossible, and I know that you've been told that many, many times. Where did you find your fuel, or where do you find your fuel to get through those tough days?
1: I I think, you know, it's, uh, let's begin. It's, um, uh, I, let's say that I, I don't think I could have done this anyplace else but in America. So it's the opportunity that, you know, America gave to me and gives to uh, an immigrant, somebody coming completely. We had nothing, uh, Dustin. You know, the uh, Catholic Charities brought us, put, put us in the hotel for the first week because we had nobody. Isn't that, inc-
0: isn't that and, incredible that, that there's an organization out there that would do that for someone they've never met, someone they don't know?
1: A, a, it's it's amazing. It's why, you know, and that's why uh, I myself, you know, get involved as much as I can and give back. And in refugees, and in doing fundraising, and for children, and for sick children, because so much was given to me. So you know, when they when they (coughs) excuse me, they gave us this. They found this little home for us, and we began our life there, the school, and you. Everybody was so welcoming and accepting, and ready to teach us, ready to make us. And uh, uh, slowly, uh, you know, you realize yes, uh, a lot of work a lot of passion, and ultimately, I made it. <coughs> Excuse me.
0: And when you came here for that first week, I mean, there must have been a lot, of, a lot of excitement, but also a lot of worry in the house. How did your family deal with this? I mean, this was, you guys went from one country into another and thrown into, what do we do now? Like, What happened next?
1: It, you know, at 12, my, my brother was 16 we were just very excited and very curious and we were in America and we came in New York. So, but uh, in retrospect, now that I am a, a mother and a grandmother, I think of my mother those days, you know, and I recall that they were, my mother and my father sometimes would huddle together and talk, did we do the right thing? Uh, it, you know, uh, is is, I, I, is this going to be okay for our children? And I think that, uh, uh, Dustin, part of what drives me or drove me was this this need to tell show my parents that their decision their trip their their decision to bring us here was was worthwhile was something that they did so that our life could be better. And, you know, um, both my brother and I did quite, quite well. I did it, of course, in food and business. He is a, a, an a electronic engineer and, in, you know, has many patents in the electronic world. That's incredible. So, so I think I think that, you know, the fact of seeing how much our parents did for us propelled us uh, into and, and what it. And what is it? It's, you know, yes, you have to sort of uh, roll up your sleeve, you have to, you know, educate yourself, you have to invest in yourself, you have to have pride, you have to have um, energy, you have to have passion, and ultimately work very hard.
0: You got to earn it. And so what did your parents do when they got here?
1: My mother was an elementary school teacher uh, in, in Europe, but of course, she didn't speak English, so she couldn't do that here. She became a seamstress in a, in a factory, actually, Evan Picone in New Jersey, an Italian factory. New my Jersey. father was hmm. Yeah, my father had a, a, a little truck business, uh, 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 so he was a mechanic, and he began working for Chevrolet in New Jersey. He was actually installing, at that time, radios in new Chevrolet. Really?
0: Uh, that's pretty cool. Yes. Yeah. so they came and immediately went to work now you and your brother were then put into school what was this like i mean you're you didn't know english or maybe you knew broken english what was like coming into new york city going into the school system and not knowing the language
1: uh it was it was difficult but you know uh within a year we both spoke uh you know an understandable english children pick up fast and uh, you know there was there was a, a, a system. I don't recall any any major hardship. You know, I recall sometimes wanting to be so much part of 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 the group of the you know teenager and all of that, and not being able to communicate. Hmm. But you know, as a, as a youngster, you you make yourself likable in a way. I don't know. You know, you connect. You, you figure it out. Tell your story, and people people. You know, kids. Uh, uh, sometimes it can be rough, but uh, can be also very accepting and very
0: nice. Yeah, well said. And your parents—did they get to see your success along the way? What did they think about that?
1: You know, well, they did. Partly, my father—he passed away in 1981, but my mother is still alive and living with me at 98. That's years
0: fantastic. Age. Boy, I'd love to—I'd <laughs> love to talk to her and say, what, what, "What's it like? You—you you created Chef Lydia. How, how, how proud you must be."
1: Well, she's, she lives with me this morning. I made her breakfast before I left. Uh, and, uh, you know, my daughter with the grandchildren, uh, are, uh, in walking distance. So, you know, that family closeness, which we needed so much, uh, I mean, we had in under under you know in Europe it had the Italian family stays together, but here even more because we had nobody, and it still I think that's one of the things that I I uh, I you know I must have my family around. I think it's so important for families to be together, especially transgenerational, if you will. You know, we are four generations when we are together, and uh, you know and I'm going to be in the city today and my grandson Lorenzo he's 21 uh he's going to go to grandma make sure that she has her dinner i left it already and that she's she's okay uh until i get home tonight
0: it sounds like that you, your family is strong because of the pack leader uh and you've stepped up no. and you're you're now involved with, with carrying the torch
1: well dustin you know i never i always insisted on them knowing our story Following our story, I took them to visit the camp. I took them we go regularly to the to the house where I lived. Grandpa with all the grandma and the animals uh, I, I I tell them all of the story continuously uh, that they understand you know that there was a trip here, and Grandma and grandpa, my mother and father really uh, uh, you know sacrificed a lot. So that their children could be free, so that their children could get an opportunity uh, in life, and certainly, you know, there's no greater opportunity than coming to America and begin given a chance to to build your life here.
0: Now, what happens to the generation that didn't have to go through what you did? I mean, that must be at times a little frustrating that you are more passionate because you've seen what life was and now that there's nothing you can't accomplish when you put your mind to it. How do you give advice? What advice do you give to, to this generation or the gener- generations that, that are coming along?
1: Yeah, you know, it's something that I think about, uh, you know, and you l- listen to my life and one would, one would say, oh my God, you've had such a hard life. I think I had a precious life. I think I had a, a life that has taught me the reality of life and how to go on, and I think that sometimes uh uh the the young generations today um are not realizing the basics and and appreciate as much and to no fault of their own you know it's it's the, the society that's changing uh you know in 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 the in the power that I have at least within my family and anybody that I can reach. You know, I try to set an example, and that's why even uh, you ask me on the show, I think that uh, it's important that I share my story, that I talk. Absolutely. Not because of, not because of Lydia, but because this is a real life.
0: It, it, and, is, it uh, is real life. Uh, yeah,
1: and, you know, exactly. It's a person person's life and how i was given the chance and how you know worked hard and uh, you know and i remember my father escaping through the through the through the borders and uh waiting for him and he finally came at night and uh, you know he fell uh he was so exhausted he fell in front of us and we didn't know what life would give us as youngsters you know you feel very insecure but if you have co- compassion if you have family, if you have understanding, if you, if you really have a, a, a sense of, of worth and appreciation, you can make it happen. You, you sure know? can. And it, it's, it starts with yeah. having that
0: empathy and hearing your story that there was so much trauma in the beginning, This that you could have been a volunteer victim, yet you didn't allow it to go that way. And your parents, they must have been very strong themselves to not allow you and your brother to feel so bad for for what happened. Well,
1: it was it was it was, you know, love uh, uh, of the family, the tightness, you know, really supporting each other. We knew we needed each other. And uh, you know, once we were back in Italy, uh I, I got back into my spiritual, you know, uh element also. So I think spiritual also, you know, whatever your belief is, it doesn't have to be one belief, but you know, uh, I think that spiritual strength is very important. Uh, and, and uh, 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 you know, um, I, I just think achieving. Achieving is also the satisfaction of you being able to accomplish, whether it's to, to, to write a book, to cook a of risotto. You know, we all need accomplishments Absolutely. in our life, no matter, no matter how small they are.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like your faith helps to guide the direction of your life.
1: It it does, yeah, yes, it does. You know, uh, my faith uh, is very important. I am not uh, super religious, if you will, but it guides me. You know, and I and I fully understand. You know, I have my faith, but I understand the strength of faith in general. You know, whether it's my faith or it's another faith or whatever, it gives you strength. It gives you uh, 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 somebody somebody to 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 sort of. uh, confide with or believe in or you know uh because at the end of the day i think that there's a god out there and there's a god the same god for all of us i don't think we all have we have different ways of reaching him or her
0: yeah no and and you'll you'll see or you find that those with strong faith that they also tend to live different lives or ones that they they truly or most of them tend to find their purpose. When did you find your purpose? When did you say Dustin, man, it was when I was 15 or 18? When did you know the direction of your life?
1: You know, uh it wasn't one straight uh, uh, line that I thought, you know, this is what I'm going to be when I am. Uh I, you know, um I took the opportunities as they came. I evaluated the opportunities. And sort of built my life step by step. If I go back to <clears throat> what I thought I would be, as I said, you know I thought I was going to be actually a pediatrician. Really? And I remember the yeah, I remember watching I remember watching uh, on television here, there was a ship Hope, and this ship Hope would go around uh, Africa and whatever, helping uh, uh, children. And I thought I saw myself on that ship helping children. That didn't happen. But I think that in my own way, you know, uh, I'm connecting and I'm giving back to society and I'm giving back for all that was given to me.
0: You are definitely a giver. You, you give people joy. You give them moments where they have their peace. And what do, you think it, what do you think it is about Italian food that is so popular among consumers? I mean, Italian food has this <laughs> flair still. Why is that?
1: Well, I think the Italian culture as a whole, you know, a lot of times I ask myself, yes, uh, Italians, we have a beautiful country, beautiful setting, you know, I think the topography is beautiful. So it's all surrounded by sea. But then there's the beautiful music. Then there's the art, you know. Uh, Italians, you know, I don't know why. I think that in Italy there's about 70% of the world art is wow. in, in this little, you know. And so the food follows suit. And I think what it is, is uh, certainly about the food, is that uh, we respect uh, the product, uh, the topography, uh, the, 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 the climate gives us great products in this little peninsula. And uh, I think the Italians learned how to make them better and respect them and not uh, uh, kind of abuse them all to them. I think what's about Italian cooking is that you choose the best ingredients that you can and you elaborate them as little as possible, but adding those, those additions that Italians are known for fresh herbs. If you have a little dry porcini, Mm. intense tomato paste or dry tomatoes. And so, you know, I think these things is the simplicity of the food, but yet the intensity and the honesty of Italian food that uh, gives you gustatory pleasure that you enjoy, but also nutritionally, it is sound.
0: Yeah, and so tell us about Lydia celebrates America, the, the series that looks at how immigrants in our country have preserved their culinary traditions. Uh, talk about so, the series. So
1: you know, you know, it's another. It's a way of me really thanking America. So on PBS, you know, my show I've been now is twenty years. About seven years ago, uh, I, I talked to CBS PBS, and I wanted to to do um, a show in me honoring America, me thank you, going around America, getting to know America as, as, you know, as a foreigner, although now I'm very American, I feel. And so these shows, all of the things, like I think that the veterans, I think that the veterans, everything I see about veterans, uh, they're, they're maligned. They're not, you know, they're always in trouble. I dedicated two one-hour specials on veterans and really... Exalting them on what they do when they come back, and That's how much effort man. they put to, uh, how much effort they put to, to to revive their their own life, their own sense of being, even though you know they might be without uh, a leg or a foot or whatever. And they're into into uh, uh, growing vegetables, being farmers. They're into fish farming, and it is wonderful because I think that these people actually. 're willing to give their life to save our freedom, you know and i I, I, I kind of know what freedom means and not having it and ultimately getting it and so two two whole one hour episode I dedicated to them. I have Lydia celebrates uh, America coming out and usually comes around the holiday in november it 's a one hour special and it 's on across pbs uh, and i 'm doing this on the artisan and the apprentice, because I think that that the young people in America uh, sometimes are being too pressured, you know, you must finish your college and whatever, but once you finish your college, there's no, you know, some of, the, some of them exactly, absolutely, and it's wonderful that the education, but some of them, uh, you know, don't have a job when they come out, they're not, and what I noticed was that in Italy there's a lot of artisans and this apprenticeship program like we have it in the cooking field, you know, where you apprentice. We take somebody under your wing. And so I go around America finding artisans that take apprentices. So I'm going to be going, um, as the final kind of to this special, I'm going to be going out in California to visit with with an artisan Barrel maker, and he has an apprentice. Hmm. And you know, the barrel making is 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 an art that you know nobody, not many people think about. It. That's
0: right. Not many but, people know about it. But,
1: exactly. But I think that you know, we need so many. We will n- always need electricians. We will always need plumbers. We will always. Need, these are <clears throat> valuable jobs that you know need to be kind of made. Uh, uh, known out there that if you dedicate your life with passion and that's what you love to do and uh, you can really be a great plumber eventually you can have your own business you can make good money plumbers make good money mm-hmm. and it's really a service that we will always need some kind of bring the that you know not uh, deterring them from school or whatever but another option that should be respected
0: well said And Lydia, I wrote down a note to myself. How have you been able to keep your brand? You're a celebrity that along the way, everybody's watching you. Some people obviously want you to fail. Many others want you to succeed. How have you not lost your brand? What has kept you accountable Uh, coming where you are? I mean, you could have anything and everything, every desire, every dream that you could have done anything, but you didn't. How did you keep out of trouble?
1: Uh, I don't, you know, I think it's part of my, uh, I don't know. It's part of who I am, uh, all the, all the, my life, what I went through and you realize you've seen trouble, you've seen difficult times. Uh, and then I think, you know, I am, uh, religiously, uh, kind of, uh, connected and, you know, I, I appreciate people and I want to do people what I can not not take take away. I think is is um it's being humble and and I think you know um uh just just I've been given so much. How much more do I want? Hmm. Uh that's it. What what more do you want me to do? I yeah. been, you know, I've been so blessed. Well and, in and, many and ways. that's what have, that's I,
0: incredible. You've remained so humble even with all the success you still believe that? Well, boy, what what do you think the outcome would have been?
1: Yeah, you know, I have a we have a beautiful home we live in. I have five beautiful grandchildren; they're healthy. Uh, my children are healthy. Uh, you know, we spend time uh, together as much as we can. Uh, so, I a good for me. Uh, the greatest gift is you know getting together. We just came back. We were all in Sardinia all 10 of us, the two kids and the two, my two kids with their mates and the thing. And that's one of the most beautiful things for me in, in, in life. So, you know, I guess, um, uh, yeah, I, you know, I have what I need to live well in life.
0: Wow. Well, you are a testament to it, the way you live and what people say about you. Uh, have you ever thought about doing a show on, so my background is foster care awareness, I'm a foster care alumni myself. You ever thought about dedicating a show uh, to the 440,000 kids in foster care in the United States?
1: No, no, I didn't. I, you know, I I do uh, um, uh, fundraise uh, with 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 children. I worked here in New York. Uh, actually, uh, the United Nations uh, Immigration. We did fundraising to build. You know that the the children that are in immigrant camps lose two years of education. Isn't
0: that, that's terrible. I I sit on the, uh, I'm on the Lutheran Immigration and Refugee Services Board, so I I have a lot of respect for your involvement as well.
1: So, so, you know, uh, we, I do fundraising for the the United Nations to build schools in the camps, wherever they are, because I know I went through that and how much education, because a donor paid for my education while I was in the camp. So I continued Remarkable. my education. So, so, so I I appreciate. I work with the Jesuit uh, uh, Refugees uh, Foundation uh, and and fundraising. So you know, uh, yes, you know that's a good idea. Uh, the the uh, you said the children's,
0: uh, uh, foster in foster, uh,
1: foster homes.
0: Yes, ma'am. There's four hundred forty thousand children in the United States living in a foster care home. No fault of their own. Uh, parents either uh, neglected them or there was drug abuse in the family.
1: 40,000, that's a big number. It's, it's amazing
0: uh, numbers. When you Google the statistics on foster care, you'll say, Dustin, that, that's out of control. And the answer is, yeah. I mean, the month of May is Foster Care Awareness Month, and most people have never even heard of it because the media doesn't pick it up.
1: Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm going to look into it. Yeah, you know, because there's one thing that I think all in all professions, but what chefs can do, chefs bring people together. Absolutely. Food. And when you bring people together, you bring awareness, and you these people usually donate, become part of it. You know, I mean, I just did a big event out in, in Long Island for the uh, uh, Waxman Cancer Foundation, and so on. So I try to do as much as I can using my position, my, uh, uh, to bring people together and certainly, uh, foster, ha- uh, uh, children, uh, need, need uh, uh, as much as they can, people caring about them.
0: Well, last question for you, lady, we've taken a lot of your time and we ask this of all our guests, who's the toughest person or persons you've ever known?
1: Oh, my goodness.
0: Who would you say would be on that list? Who would say got you through the days, held you accountable? Just in general, we're just tough, didn't quit, didn't give up.
1: Oh, my goodness. You know, uh, I would say uh, um, as uh, as much as uh, my mother and my father were lovable and all that, they were also, they kept us in line. They expected from us. They They, you know, because... This responsibility of being in this land, with having nobody, they felt so much responsible for us. In a sense, you know, it's not like you had a whole family that t- helped you to take care of. And uh, let me tell you, you know, they we had our rules and regulations to follow. And uh, you know, I can recall uh, as young. Sometimes I rebelled, and uh, now in retrospect. Uh, being tough uh, paid off. It was the right thing to do. So I don't know. I, in in a in a positive way, I think. Have you parents? A, a, yeah, a toughness that that meant love for us.
0: Wonderful. And what were their names, Lydia?
1: Herminia is my mother, and Victoria was my father.
0: Eveninia. and Erminia,
1: Victoria and Victoria. You,
0: and Victoria. Uh, so as we finish this out, as we always do, life's tough. That Lydia's parents were tougher. Thank you so much, Lydia, for joining us today on the Life Stuff Podcast.
1: Thank you, Dustin.
0: So that wraps up our show for today. Thanks again to Lydia Bastianich for making this another fantastic episode of our Life's Tough Podcast. And thanks to you, our amazing audience, for making the Life Stuff Podcast one of the most relevant, engaging, and fastest growing shows around. Also, special thanks to my dear friend, Gerald Levin, Life's Tough Chief Writer and my Sherpa. And my dear friend, John Miller of the Austin Carlisle Studio here in Baltimore, Maryland. You already know life is tough and running your own business is tougher. You need a financial planner who's tougher. Carl Grund is a financial planner who helps small business owners navigate the market and grow their business through financial strategies. Give Carl a call at 703-287-7128. That's 703-287-7128 or send an email to cgrund at sfpfinancial.com. That's cgrund at sfpfinancial.com to learn how Carl can help you get tough on business. Securities and advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Member FINRA, SIPC. The stories we all hear are as varied as the people who tell them. It's impossible to discount the impact of any one singular experience. Instead, I ask you to use your story, like Lydia's, to empower others. Your story may be just what it takes to help somebody in your circle, or perhaps in our community, to get through a tipping point moment, an instance when that person either chooses to continue to be a victim, or when that person finds the strength to transcend a particular situation. Please subscribe to our show. Visit lifestuff.com, and be sure to join us every week for a new, stimulating hour of heartfelt discussion. Tell your friends about us, too. Remember, everyone has a story and every story has a purpose. Life's tough. You could be tougher. Thanks for listening and being a part of our community. Now, for the entire Life's Tough team, this is Dustin Plano signing off. Have a great week, everyone.